Welcome back in, everybody. It is Friday, November 4th, the morning of. This is the Card Chronicle podcast. We've got Mike Rutherford here in Louisville, Kentucky, Danny Sennard in Columbus, Ohio. And folks, like Andy Dufresne crawling through 500 yards of shit and coming out clean on the other side, the Louisville Cardinals are feeling clean at the end of this week after dealing with the IRP and finally getting the ruling yesterday. We were Going to try to do an emergency podcast yesterday will be the first time I think we've had two in one week. Uh, but Dan's schedule didn't work out. It's okay. We're here for the normal podcast. We're still going to celebrate. My God, what a day to be alive. What a week to be alive. It feels pretty good, Dan. Oh, my God. It feels fantastic. Yesterday was just one of the, the best Twitter days of all time. Like, just seeing uh, the, the pure excitement. You had the Rick press conference. I mean... I, I'm sure people have different opinions on Rick, but my God, I love that man. Um, so that was enjoyable. But yeah, I mean, geez, it reminds me of like, <laughs> you probably didn't have this happen to you as much as I did, but like you go through like a semester or something, you're like, oh my God, I've got like a C or a D on like every single paper. And then like you take the final exam and you're like, oh my God, like this report card is going to be a disaster. And then it shows up at your house and it's like, oh my God, I got an A? What the hell just happened? Like, <laughs> that's like, it. Like I, I know we had gotten hints of it, um, you know, seeing some of the rulings come down recently, but just in the back of your mind, you know, you, you couldn't help but think, possibly something bad was going to happen to us and for us to like you said come out on the other side of this is just absolutely glorious yeah i still was expecting it to be just because of what's happened with us in the past i certainly was expecting the worst and kind of hoping for the best but if you were trying to look at this rationally and not just saying the ncaa's a bunch of rogue idiots they're going to do something crazy if you were looking at it rationally both of the irp's rulings were lenient with NC State and Memphis. Both times their messaging had been consistent. They had said, we're not trying to punish any active players. We want to, to punish the wrongdoers who actually were involved in this and the schools a little bit, but we don't want anybody who you know, had no part in this to, to feel the after effects of it. So you thought, <clears throat> maybe, maybe we're going to get something like a slap on the wrist, something that doesn't involve a postseason ban, maybe just scholarship reductions, maybe some recruiting penalties, maybe a financial penalty, and that's going to be that. The big thing for us, of course, was the fact that we're a repeat offender, that, that our transgressions, most some of them, took place while we were on probation already. You had Rick, uh, the Chris Mack stuff thrown in there for good measure, too. It was just our situation was so weird, you didn't know what to expect. And on, on Wednesday night, when well, Tuesday night you start getting the scuttle that the IRP is coming soon. It's going it's to happen this week. And I get texts from two different people. One says, hearing it's coming soon, it's going to be bad. The other says, hearing it's coming soon, it's not going to be bad. So I text somebody at UofL and they say, we're hearing it's going to come soon. We have no idea. <laughs> like We haven't talked to anybody from the NCAA. We've got, like, we're hearing the same rumors that you are, but we've got zero idea what this report says. Um, we're totally in the dark. So then Wednesday night comes around. We, we know via the Pat 40 report that we're going to hear something on Thursday. And I, I take, I let you know that I'd heard this. I, I hear from somebody who just says, Rick Patino thinks it's going to be a good day for him. 
And I love the fact that that was the first thing that I heard was that Rick Pitino's agent was apparently like texting every college basketball person and saying, <laughs> hey, just so you know, my guy's going to be vindicated tomorrow. Brace yourselves. There's going to be some tap dancing happening. So I texted you and, and a couple of other friends. I'm like, the only thing that I hear is that it's going to be a good day for Rick. And I'm assuming if it's a good day for Rick, it's going to be a good day for us, right? Like you, you can't foresee a situation where Patino is exonerated. He's not getting in any sort of trouble, but UofL is getting railroaded. So I, that was the first time where I thought this might be, this might be a better day than any, anybody's thinking. And then when you actually see, and God bless Matt Norlander for not making us wait in, in purgatory any longer, Norlander puts out the tweet, I think it was like 8.30, 8.45-ish, earlier than I was expecting, and just basically says, Louisville's getting nothing. Like, like, like Nothing big is coming down. And the punishments that we do find out when the IRP releases their ruling at 10 a.m., a $5,000 fine, which is hilarious. Again, it was, it was hilarious with the Memphis thing. It was, it's hilarious now. Um, a two-week ban on unofficial visits during the upcoming academic year. An additional two-week ban on recruiting communication, no telephone calls, no text, no correspondence during the 2022-2023 academic year. A seven-day reduction in the number of recruiting person days for the academic year. Two years probation, which will last until November 2nd, 2024. And then public reprimand and censure, which is hilarious. Probation is going to be publicized on the NCAA website. Whatever, that's fine. Graduate assistants and non-coaching staff members can't practice for 10 practices during the this current season. And then the program is restricted from showing personalized recruiting videos to student-athletes for the rest of this academic calendar. So basically nothing. Right. I mean, just as close to nothing as you could possibly get. It was – I was shocked that we didn't get like a, a scholarship reduction or a more significant financial penalty. This was a huge win for UofL. I know that I made the point yesterday, you know, anybody who says Louisville got off light or got a slap on the wrist or got off scot-free, you're fooling yourselves because of of what we went through for the past five years. But if we're talking about just the ruling itself, which we've been waiting so long for, this was about best case scenario. A hundred percent. And I was, you, you pretty much made my point at the end. Like, yes, the ruling per se came off very light, but, I mean the the damage done in the five years, and I mean we'll we'll get to the the current state of Louisville basketball here later in the podcast. But obviously, it's it's definitely you know the cloud per se that was hanging over our program definitely took its toll from that standpoint. But yeah, I mean it, it is funny, like, and I know, geez, I, I don't even know what your relationship is. Like, I, I know you're like cordial with with Pat Forty and I, you know, I don't know some of these other guys you may interact with, but like from my, you can stand, say what you want, say what you want. Dan. I mean, say it. you can, you can say it. I, I, I can't help it, but the articles that even got put out yesterday, I mean, geez, like I, I'm like, all right, man, like I get, I'm sure they, you know, him and Wolken and all their other cronies, like, you know, they're like, Oh yeah. Journalists hit the jackpot with this story, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, when a punishment comes out as light as it does, it almost feels like uh, all the work they did maybe is for naught, I guess. And I feel like you could you could really uh, feel that in the articles that they wrote yesterday they seemed a little bit bitter. Um, I certainly enjoyed it. Um, you know, it, it's just one of those deals. It feels like we've been on the other side of this like every single time. And for us to come out, 
kind of scot-free on the other end for once. It's like, oh, just give me those tears, baby. I want to drink them. Um, so it does feel nice. And by the way, like after kind of, I, I, you know, I didn't like dig through the report with a fine tooth comb. Like I would read snippets that people had on Twitter. I still think there's a, a chance that Kansas might get hit a little bit hard because there was like some language in there that basically said that we, I, and if I'm wrong, you can correct me, but I, I want to say there was language in there that's saying we may have helped ourselves a little bit by clearing house. But um, if I'm wrong on that, you can correct me. No, I, I think you're right. And I think that's why you saw Kansas self-impose earlier this week um, with, with Bill Self and the, the assistant getting four games to start the season. I think that you know, the, the situation between Kansas and Louisville is a little bit different. Kansas is alleged of five level one violations. We were alleged with one. Kansas also, you've got Bill Self on record texting with TJ Gasnola throughout all this and being pretty open about the fact that Gasnola has helped them with current players and has helped them a lot in the past. With Patino, you never had that, which is why uh, Patino winds up getting totally exonerated, gets nothing in all this. Um, real quick, before we go back, because I, I think you make – I want to talk about the Pat Forty column. I, t- I talked about it on the radio show yesterday. I want to talk about it again, but quick rundown. So – as I mentioned, Louisville had been, when the NCAA did its notice of allegations, they levied one level one violation against Louisville and then six level two violations. Ultimately, the IRP, they determined that, that, that Louisville committed one level one violation and then every single level two violation that the NCAA said happened, they said was level three, which I wasn't surprised that some of them got knocked down. For instance, the, the Chris Mack stuff, I thought it was ridiculous. They say that making those 30 for 30 videos and then having some grad assistants participating in practice was level two, which is just absurd. When that came out, I was like, I'm not an NCAA expert here, but that seems like the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. So those getting knocked down didn't surprise me. Some of the other stuff did. But the only level one violation that they found that Louisville committed was it was um, kind of twofold. The Jordan Fair stuff, the the meeting in the Las Vegas hotel room during July of 2017, where he's like, you know, we got to be careful about this and some money exchanges hands. And then Kenny Johnson, they found that he um, was untruthful about meeting Brian Bowen's trainer. I believe he, he contradicted his statement. Originally he said that he'd never met him before. And then eventually in a written statement admitted that he had those, that was the only level one violation. And both Kenny Johnson and Jordan fair, they were hit with two-year show-cause penalties, although it's not like a, a real show-cause penalty. Kenny Johnson, who's now at Rhode Island on Archie Miller's staff, um, is still going to be allowed to coach these two years. He's still going to be allowed to recruit these two years. The only thing that this show-cause penalty does is prohibits him from being an active participant in the April and July recruiting periods for the next two summers. Like that That's it. So he can do everything else that assistant coaches do besides those two things. So, that's, so Kenny Johnson really in the grand scheme of things, gets off pretty easy here. The The IARP, if you're wondering, like, how did we get here? How did we get to a point where Louisville is basically getting no punishment? And the answer is this. At the heart of this argument the, that Louisville was making and that the NCAA was making was whether or not the Adidas representatives involved in this whole thing, the guys that went to jail, could properly be defined as boosters – or representatives of Louisville Athletics. 
the NCAA said yes. Louisville said no. Louisville's argument is, look, these guys went to fucking federal court, and a federal court found that they defrauded us, and you're saying they're acting on our benefit. Like, can you see how this is a little bit silly? And the IRP ultimately sides with Louisville. They said very early on in their in, in their response, the hearing panel concluded that the case record did not provide su- sufficient or credible information to conclude that the apparel company, Adidas, was a representative of Louisville's athletic interests. It, that's game over right there. Mm-hmm. If you're saying, you know, Gasnola, Dawkins, all these guys, they're not acting on UofL's best interest. They're acting on their own. They're trying to boost the Adidas brand, not the Louisville brand. Then that's the crux of the argument. And ultimately, that's why Louisville winds up getting no significant punishment here. They also did look at the, like, if you actually read the ruling or, or even just like the, the, the conclusions they shoot down essentially every argument that the NCAA makes or says they that their arguments were too vague and couldn't possibly be conclusive. The the most I think the one that's gotten the most attention is the NCAA argued that Rick Pitino did not promote an atmosphere of compliance because he was too strict. Yeah, that was, was wild. Unreal. Like adhere to the rules too strongly, therefore his assistants had to to, to skate around the rules because they didn't want him to find out. And basically the IRP looked at that and said, no, I mean, are you serious? What are you talking about? Um, that's the dumbest thing we've ever heard. They also looked at some of the other arguments and said, you guys are being too vague with what you're saying. There, there's no specific evidence to back this up. They basically were like, if, if we found Louisville guilty of doing this and they wanted to take us to court, we would get our asses kicked. Like, like there, there would be due process. Like, like, that was what the IRP said. They also said, I mean, the, the other big allegation against Kenny Johnson was he made a payment to Brian Bowen Sr. in a car at a gas station in downtown Louisville. Everybody has denied it besides Brian Bowen Sr. Kenny Johnson's bank records don't back it up. And the IRP, the, the NCAA was like, well, Brian Bowen Sr. said it. That's good enough for us. That's an allegation. And the IRP was like, no, this man contradicted himself on the stand under oath multiple times during the federal trial. He's saying this. Kenny Johnson's denying it. Everybody else is denying it. There's no like record of this in any of the text messages. The bank records don't back it up. We can't conclude that this actually happened just because this dude who's been lying for the last five months said it did. And it was nice to just see some some fucking common sense in all right. of this, which I think is what Rick Pitino did. And t- to wrap up, and then I'll, I'll, I'll throw it back to you, the Pat Forty column from yesterday, I thought it was lazy as hell. I, I thought that he, you know, he's, he wrote that thing in 2017, essentially saying, if anybody deserves the death penalty, it's Louisville. They're a repeat offender. Um, they had a horrible scandal with sex and strippers and all this stuff, and now they're 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 involved in the FBI thing while on probation. And it was, this phrase gets tossed out there way too much these days, it, but it, it was very clickbaity. Like they phrased it as like Louisville's going to get the death penalty or Louisville deserves to get the death penalty. When really his, his whole thing was like, if anybody deserves to get the death penalty, it's Louisville. And I think that he was, instead of reading the IRP ruling, which shot down all of these arguments and really shed light on the fact that it was not nearly as significant and gross as it looked like it was in September of 2017, he just kind of doesn't want us to, to swallow his pride yeah. and writes this really weak, generic, lazy, like, well, the IRP didn't do its job. 
you know, he does throw in some references to like, well, I know the five-year penalty was tough and that the weight in purgatory was bad, but then just doesn't acknowledge any of the IRP's arguments and, and the fact that what was initially alleged in a couple of these cases just simply did not take place. I thought it was lazy. I thought it was silly. I thought it should have been something that was just shelved, but he clearly already had the thoughts written down. He probably wrote it the night before and then just went ahead and hit publish. I thought it was silly. That's what, that's what like a lot of the media members, like I'm getting pissed off at that fact is like, they're almost just looking at the story, like from like a headlines purpose and they're not really digging into it. They're like, Hey, obviously this has been on the table for five years and, um, you know, we know what went down with the payment and blah, blah, blah. Like the fact they got off pretty much with a slap on the wrist is just an absolute travesty. Instead of like you said, like going through it and like reading each individual ruling and see like why that was shot down. And I mean, I, I, I do like Jesus, Rick. I, I mean, is he a Rick is not perfect. Okay. Like nobody is obviously, but, um, I mean, we, we know it happened, like, earlier in his career at Louisville. And then, I mean, two things happened, unfortunately, under his watch at the basketball program. Um, but, I mean, you're talking about a guy that had to, to – I mean, one of the best coaches in, in the history of college basketball just having to pack up his life and go over to Greece and start a new life over, you know, allegations, basically. And it, the thing that – I mean, I'm not expecting, like, media members to, like, write Rick – an apology um but maybe just acknowledge the fact that hey you know what like maybe there was two kind of rogue assistants um you know that went off and and did their own thing under his watch um i just think he got like a a horrible shitty deal out of the whole thing and i i really you know i'm glad that he's laying on his feet at least at iona um but just from like a overview like the way the media is portraying it in these stories. Like you said, it, it doesn't seem like they're digging into why we were vindicated. They're just like, oh, this is bullshit. I can't believe the ruling. You know, that's why I'm getting pissed off. I, I guess it's easy to roll your eyes and say, you know, because Patino has been adamant this entire time. Like, no, I didn't know what was going on. Yeah, I thought Brian Bowen fell into my lap because Michigan State surprisingly got um, a player returning instead of going to the NBA draft. And we had two scholarships available, and Arizona didn't. Like, like, you know, he's kind of said that, and everybody just sort of has rolled their eyes. The reality is, if you look at the text messages from the the original case, the Gastonola text, the the, the Dawkins text, the, the the other guy text, the I can't remember his name. Like, they all backed up Patino's assertion. Like, they they're they're they don't know that their texts are going to have to be turned over. They don't know that their phones are tapped, and they're like. Patino's got no idea what's going on in this program. Like, they're like, he's the only coach that has no idea this is happening, which is a good thing for Patino's defense and, and for him backing up his statements, but also kind of the problem here, um, the fact that he didn't know what was going on with Jordan Fair and, and Kenny Johnson to a lesser degree wind, winds up getting the program in a little bit of trouble. But what he said is certainly like what he said this entire time. Like His statements have all been proven to be accurate by both the people who were involved in this case, and now the IRP's research. Like, they're like, yeah, Patino didn't know. Right. Like, he was he was very adamant. Like, every assistant has backed up his statement saying, if if he knew that there was any of this going on, we would have been fired immediately. Like, we weren't allowed to have any sort of mild rule-breaking. Rule and it does suck because at the end of the day, like, Louisville had weathered the storm with the Katina Powell thing. Mm-hmm. Like, they had we, – we took the self-imposed ban in 2016, which sucked – 
we were right back to being a, a number two seed a year later. We were poised to be a top 15 team going into that 2017-18 season. Patino's recruiting was going very well, was going better than uh, it had been earlier in his, his career. And it was like we were going to keep rolling. And now, because if you ever watched The Scheme, the documentary that Dawkins did on HBO, they the FBI saw this as an opportunity. They saw this as a easy chance to get a big name that was going to make this story more splashy than it was. They wanted to get Rick Pitino. They were out to get Rick Pitino. And they kind of forced this when there really wasn't enough evidence there to make anything significant really into a case. And Louisville got fucked as a result of it. And as a result, they instantaneously fired one of the best college basketball coaches in history. They also almost insta-fired the, the most successful athletic director in the country. And in hindsight, it does look a little bit hasty. Now, the, the, if, if, the, if the Katina Powell stuff hadn't happened, do Patino and George get fired? Probably not, almost certainly not, but it's still, you, you do kind of wait that we could have, you do kind of wish that we could have waited and seen right. their stories and, and seen how this all played out because it does sound, at the end of the day, they kind of got railroaded a little bit here. Yeah, and I, I think in hindsight, like Louisville would dig their heels in a little bit more and fight this, obviously, and I obviously think that's like what the, you know, the, the fan base w- would choose as well, but one thing that I mean, and if this is already common knowledge before yesterday, like I just got scandal fatigue after a couple of years. And like I, anytime there was a story, you know, I, I just couldn't really dig into the minutiae of it. But um, the fact that like the NCA, like the IARP basically rules on like facts and evidence, whereas like the NCA was ruling off like hearsay of hearsay, which like absolutely fucking blows my mind that like, you know, like they're putting programs at jeopardy over like a rumor that somebody like may have heard and sent to this person, like via text message. Like it just seemed like the most ass backwards situation ever. I'm I'm glad, you know, Vince Tyre deserves a lot of credit um, for the, the work that, you know, he did on this case. Um, and the fact that we got this over to the IRP, I mean, thank God, Jesus, I couldn't take any more. Yeah, the IRP also, unlike the NCAA in the Casino Pal stuff, did take mitigating factors into consideration, i.e. the fact that we you know, were forthcoming about what we knew, worked with them, and then you know, the fact that we had fostered an atmosphere of compliance after the Katina Powell stuff and that the assistant coaches involved in this had never had any problems like they, and also the, the, the fact that UofL acted swiftly and did make wholesale changes was taken into consideration. Whereas in the Katina Powell thing, the NCAA, again, we appealed and said, your bylaw said that we should have gotten credit for coming to you with this, for working with you hand in hand, for getting rid of the wrongdoers in our program for like all this stuff and the NCA was like you're right like our bylaws say that we should have taken that into consideration we didn't in our ruling but guess what fuck you like like we're not yeah. changing anything about this which is why when people were like well you can't you can't appeal with the IRP I was like who gives a shit we successfully appealed last time and they changed nothing so it was nice that the IRP I mean Patino was right when he said like, like if we had had the IRP the first go round we probably don't lose the banner because there's nothing there's nothing in the first case that said that that punishment was just. And yeah. you may roll your eyes if you're a UK fan or whatever, but look at the facts there. They took away a banner, two banners, the Final Four from 2012 as well, 
for violations where no competitive on-court advantage was gained. Like, the no recruits came to Louisville because of these these those women. Read the book. Like like the recruits that are talked about, none of them came to Louisville. The players that were talked about that that were Louisville Cardinals all were already UofL Cardinals. Like like and I don't think that this is going to sound gross. Like, I don't think that like seeing those women naked or maybe getting a tug job from one of them <laughs> made any of those guys play better. Like, are you, are you fucking kidding me? Like th- that definitely did not happen. I don't think yeah, I mean, Montrose Harold didn't dunk because he'd seen one of the Powell daughters naked three weeks prior. It's, it, the whole thing was just so silly. Louisville did not get better at basketball through any of the advantages that advantages in air quotes that they gained from those women. Uh, so to take the banner down for that is just the NCAA basically was like, you guys are gross. We feel like we have to do something harsh. So we're going to do this. That was it. Yeah. That was like you said, let me, they, there was no fact-based ruling there. Let me ask you two questions and get your opinion on it. Um, one, I know Rick said yesterday that he, I mean, this is Rick, but he was like, yeah, I don't think I could come back to Louisville just until they reconcile with Tom Jurich. Um, you know, what reconcile means, like, I guess everyone probably has their own definition there, but, um, do you think Rick will come back? And then two, um, what's your estimated timeline, if any, that you think we see the banner go back up? But I know that's like a hard question to answer, but just one of your, your thoughts. Rick will 100% come back. I, I agree too. It's like when he said he would never set foot in the city of Louisville again, and then he, he was here for like a, a wedding two months later. Like that, I mean, that's 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 just it's classic Rick. Like he'll, if the vibes are good enough, if he and I think most people, most Louisville fans, even ones that were very mad at Patino, some of them are still going to be mad at Patino, but a lot of them who had kind of blamed him for all this. I saw some people yesterday who were like, I I feel bad. Like this is he clearly wasn't as involved as we were led to believe. He's exonerated. Would love to have him back for the the 2013 national title um, honoring that's going to happen in February when we play Clemson. I'd love to have him back for that. I know Iona's off for a couple of days in between that. I know people already looked at the schedule. Ooh, I didn't know. I that. don't. Yeah, I don't know if he'll be back for that, but he'll be back at some point. I I, I, I think. I mean, he did the video for Russ Smith last year, right? And I I know. I mean, I talked to family members who were like, he was terrified of doing that because he thought he might get booed. Um. And he didn't want it to like put a shadow over Russ's big day. Like he didn't want to do the video. He had to get kind of convinced to do it. Like, it's for Russ. It's not for anybody else. And it was probably the loudest cheer at the Yum Center last year when he came up on the big screen of that game. Um, and I think he was excited to hear that. And so I think that you know if he kind of is known or lets it be known that that he's going to be welcome back, I think he'd like to come back at some point because clearly that team meant a lot to him. That period of time meant a lot to him. I'm sure it would hurt to come back to a degree. But I think that I do think that'll come back. As far as the banner, I mean, Josh Hurd got asked about it yesterday, straight up, and he said, "I'm paraphrasing here. I don't have the quote in front of me." He said, "You know, getting the ruling from the IRP was something on the the to do list that now is checked off. There are more things on the to do list." Uh, he's like, "I can't make any guarantees, but if we see a route to make that happen, obviously we're going to to, to go down that road." So, I, I think that there's only so much you can do right now. I do think the banner will be back up. I think I think it's back up within five years. Whether that's the the NCAA dissolving or becoming some new form of itself 
where these rules don't come into play or the NCAA just coming out and being like, guess what? The vacation of records is a dumb penalty. All the records that we vacated over the years, they're back. The Memphis Final Fours, the UMass Final Four, the Michigan Final Fours, the Jim Beheim wins, they're all back. Um, I, I think in five years, the banner will be back up. And, and when, we, when it does, I know we've said this before, I want us to be as obnoxious as possible. Like, make it, make it ten times bigger than all the other banners in the M Center for at least the first year. Make the floor design a giant 2013 banner. Make the team uniforms 2013 banners, uh, uniforms. Every player's number is 20 or 13. Like, just be fucking in your make, face make about Mark it. Make Mark Emmert raise it by himself. Fucking why we all just <laughs> absolutely, like, throw shit at him. Keep going. <laughs> You're not there yet, damn it. Um, He's like passing out from a heart attack. Like it's not up yet. Um, yeah, I, I think it's gonna happen. And I loved every UK fan on mentions yesterday being like, "The banner is not affected by this. It's two different cases. Can you keep track of your like? Shut the fuck up. We we know that there have been two different cases. We're well aware of what's happening here. But the NCA itself has said they're going to moving forward. They're going to get rid of postseason bans. And they're going to get rid of the vacation of records as penalties. When that happens, it's going to be hard for them to still look at record books and say, well, we've got to have an asterisk on this for this rule that we no longer even have. It's why it's why I think Louisville's penalties were so light with the Chris Mack stuff. Like, I read those penalties that didn't make sense if you don't know the background. But they made us – we can't have recruiting videos for this year. And we can't have 10 graduate assistant practices and the, the IRP was basically like, yeah, you broke these rules. They don't exist anymore. You're allowed to have graduate assistant players practice these days. You're allowed to have independent, uh, single, personalized recruiting videos. So guess what? Like, you did this when you couldn't do it. You can do it now. We're just going to say you had 10 practices where grad, grad assistants participated a couple years ago. 10 practices this year, you can't have them participate. And recruiting videos, you can't do them for this year. Moving forward, you're good. Like, all these rules that no longer exist, they're going to have to find a way to rectify stuff that took place 10 years ago. And I think just reinstating the banner, reinstating all those records is the simplest way for it to happen. But I, I do think that sooner rather than later, that banner is going to be back up. Yeah. Going back to, like, UK kind of dancing all over, you know, the or our parade with the banner issue, believe me, I mean, we have nothing to – pump our chest out about these last five years obviously and and looking at the state of the program now it seems like it's there's still a long way to go obviously but deep down those fans are fucking panicking because they have had five or six years to put up a national title two national titles and the fact that they haven't done anything in these years where we've been down and out it, it's it's fucking riled them up so um, you know, hey, they they got a couple more, maybe a year or two, hopefully, of, of doing this, and then hopefully it's game on from there. Um, but hey, they can say what they want right now, but uh, that banner is going to go back up eventually. And the fact that they got nothing done in this time frame, I know it just chaps their ass. Yeah, we, I mean, we haven't been to a, a second weekend of the tournament since 2015 uh, when we went to the regional final. So no Final Four since 2015. Uh, guess what? UK hasn't been to a Final Four since 2015. Either. Yeah. Eh. So. Suck it. What if we What if we like forgot to pay the $5,000 fine? <laughs> I was thinking yesterday, like, what if it was like... Who's in, char- who's in charge of this? <laughs> Can we make sure that somebody has this on their to-do list? Yeah. It's like, all you guys had to do was pay the $5,000 fine. I'm sorry. You can't play in the 2024 tournament. And Josh is like, 
God damn it. Like, like it's like breaking Jason. news. JJ Trainer played professional ball over in Hungary this summer. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Uh, I am so glad just to just be done talking about this and just talking about on the court stuff. Like, even though right now, you know, I know it's rough, which a perfect segue. Yeah, perfect uh, segue. Let's, let's talk about the, the actual team right now. We can move on to this. We had the emergency pod after the Wake Forest win on Saturday night where we, we mentioned that there was a exhibition game on Sunday. We have not talked about the fact that Louisville had its 22-year uh, or 39-game exhibition winning streak snapped by Lenore Ryan on Sunday, 57-47. to 47. They turn around last night, Thursday, and are life and death against Chaminade and wind up winning 80-73. to 73. Um, These are two... I mean, I'm just gonna say these are bad Division two teams. Lenore Ryan was 10 and 18 last year. They were without their two best players for this game on Sunday. Uh, one has an injury. One was, I think, a disciplinarian deal. They both got left at home. And then Chaminade was 9 and 18 last year. They also had played Ohio State on Tuesday and lost by uh, 44 points, 101 to 57. Um, so Louisville being life and death in, in that game, not ideal, and certainly losing by 10, not ideal. I mean, we can, we can just say it. like the. I think the worst fears that some fans had about this roster, looking the way it is, they they looked realized in these two games. I know they're just exhibitions. I know that some people out there are like, eh, he's, you know, K Payne's not coaching the way he's going to coach in real games. The substitution patterns are going to be different. I get that. We still, as Louisville, should not be losing by ten to Lenore Ryan. I don't care if we're playing three scholarship guys and two walk ons we should have more talent than they do, and we should not be life and death to beat the Chaminade team. We looked bad in both games. The Lenore Ryan game is maybe the worst I've seen a Louisville basketball team look in any situation, whether we're talking exhibition scrimmage, regular season, you know, guys all broken up with their, by their girlfriends, like whatever. I've never seen a Louisville team look that bad. They looked better last night. They played harder, which was good to see for stretches. Um Still, a lot of issues. Dan, your overall thoughts on these two exhibitions, what have you seen here? Am I, am I being too hard? No, you're not being too hard. I mean, like, I'm realistic about the situation. Like, I understand what Kenny Payne walked into. Um, am I – was I disappointed we didn't bring any more kind of talent in for this team when there was possibly opportunities to? Of course I am, but I also realized that you know, we we were trying to recruit with a, a kind of a cloud over our head. So, I mean, I know that made it tough, obviously. So he hasn't out there. Um, I also get that these are exhibition games. And I also get that from a talent standpoint, this is, you know, one of the least, I guess, collectiveness of talent that we've had on a, a basketball team since at least we've been alive. With that being said... I mean, you can't lie to yourself while watching the two games with your eye test and be like, uh, you know, what's kind of just wondering what's going on in practice there? Because, um, I, the one, like I said, the one thing I just wanted to see all year was maximum effort, rebounding. Like, I, I, I was so worried about the defensive end and rebounding. That's like really all I wanted to see because that's like where max effort comes in. Hey, if you're missed shots, if things look a little clunky on offense, like I totally get it. The talent is lacking and it's a new system, whatever. But 
it's pretty much been the exact opposite. They they look poorly coached on that end. Um, there's no no one's like ever in a defensive stance, except, especially the big guys. I mean, rebounding. I mean, these teams we're playing are D two like small teams. We have six foot eight and up guys, like three or four of them, and we're not boxing out on any shot that goes up, whether it's a free throw, whether it's you know it during the play. Um, it, it was very tough to watch and I, you know, Hey, I, I'm going to give Kenny all year. I, I totally get it. I'm not like saying like, Hey, I, I want to run him out of town or anything like that. Like I want this to work. I think every Louisville fan wants this to work. Like it would be phenomenal if yeah. it did. Um, but with that being said, I was definitely expecting more out of this, even though they're just exhibitions. Cause it's looked awful. It has, and I mean, you mentioned the, the the big strength of this team was supposed to be our size. You know, we look like Florida State. We've got all these big guys, all these front court players. We gave up 18 offensive rebounds to Chaminade last night, and we were outscored in points in the paint in both games. Our big guys are not playing big right now. It, it's also, I mean, we knew the guard thing. Anybody who told you don't be worried about the guards, I don't know. I I don't know what they were thinking. We knew the guard situation was bad. We knew we needed one. We didn't get another one. We had to play L. Ellis 38 minutes last night to beat Chaminade. Like, you know, he – we don't, we can't do anything when he's not on the floor. Hersey Miller and Fabio Basili are, are – they're not ready to compete at this level yet. They'll get better, I'm sure, but they're not ready to run the point. And the other guys, you know, they're not instigating the offense. They, they can't initiate the offense the way that Ellis can. We have one legitimate guard. Yeah. I think Kamari Lance is good. I'm excited about the way that he's playing. And Mike James, I'm excited about the way he's playing. But they are not naturally guards. They certainly are more threes than they are even twos. And they can't play the one right now. So it's been the most discouraging thing for me. And the reason why, like, you know, some people wanted to say, you can't get mad about the exhibition game on Sunday. It's Kenny Payne. He's doing things differently. I think you have to get mad about the exhibition game on Sunday because we didn't play hard. Yeah. Like, at the very like the lowest bar that I have for this season was at least they'll be competing at least they're going to come out they're going to play hard they're going to be enthusiastic they're going to be energetic because we didn't see enough of that last year and then to come out in day one and to look so apathetic I mean we were down like six with four minutes to go and nobody like people were just like walking the ball up people were pouting it was a crazy bad energy amongst that team and you've got a brand new head coach you're supposed to have new life in this program You've got competition for playing time. You've got newcomers. You've got guys that are returning from last year that want to right the wrongs from last season. And to have that effort in game one was shocking to me. And there was a little bit of it uh, last night against Chaminade. Not as much. It seemed like the guys were more into the game. The bench was more active. Like That was encouraging to see. But it, it's it feels like it's going to be a long winter. I, I expected this to be bad. I didn't expect it to be this bad in the two exhibition games. I hope it's going to look better when they start playing for real starting next Wednesday. But man, there's yeah, there's not a lot to like. I, in, this, I honestly, in, in those two games. like, and and I know, like, I I know we're trying out different rotations with guys and stuff like that. So, like, I totally get that. You know, we're not deep. Kenny was trying different things both games, so I realize, like, from a score standpoint, yeah, like we might give up some runs like here and there, and the score may not look good for either game because we're trying out different stuff and we're really not that talented to begin with. But like you said, 
I mean, there's one thing that needs to be constant and that is effort. And the fact that that didn't happen when like, geez, like first impression is everything. Like, like I would think like the, you know, during the summer, I I don't care what happens. Like if you're not going balls to the wall, like you're not going to see the floor. And the fact that like the first, especially the first game, uh, and like you said, a little bit of the second, it made last year's defensive and rebounding performance look like we were like a Bob Huggins West Virginia team. Like, like yeah. it was that poor. I couldn't even believe my eyes. Um, I mean, there, there, we we have a a long way to go. I, I mean, I not only am I not expecting to beat Bellarmine, I mean, I'm really worried it's going to be double digits. Like, and again, maybe we're not showing everything. I know we're going to shorten the rotation a little bit. Um, but, I mean, the effort needs to be tenfold better than what it has been. I think we'll beat Bellarmine. I, I think we'll – I mean, Bellarmine lost a lot from last year's A-Sun. Yeah, I, see, I don't team. know that much about him. So you're, you, you're probably more accurate here than I am. Yeah, I mean, Dylan Penn went to Vermont. He was maybe their best player last year. Their their other leading scorer graduated. I think they're picked to finish sixth in the A-Sun this year. So they're expected to be a little bit down. We should be – I mean, we should be much bigger and better than them inside, but we should have been much bigger and better than Chaminade and, and uh, Lenore Ryan inside as well, and we really weren't. I, I, I'm hoping that with the rotations trimmed down, the substitution patterns making more sense, the – I mean, some guys just aren't practice players. Sometimes some guys just can't get out of their subconscious, which lets them know that it's not a real game or whatever. I'm hoping that when the, the, the lights are a little bit brighter next week, they'll step up. They If they don't beat Bellarmine, then, I mean, we're in for a long, long season. Um, we're probably in for a long season regardless, but we'll find that out in, in Maui. But, you know, they'll play tougher teams than Bellarmine, even in that November month. I think App State's a little bit better than Bellarmine. Um, some of the other games we have are going to be tougher tests. It's my new goal for this team right now, right now, at the, at the beginning of the season, because I don't think that – I mean, Maui's, Maui's going to be tough. Yeah. They're going to play – they're guaranteed to play a ranked team in both their first two games because they'll play Arkansas, and they get the winner or the loser of Texas Tech Creighton. And both those teams are preseason top 25. So – and then you know, whoever they play in the, the third game is going to be a team that's probably better than them as well. If you're power ranking the Maui field one through eight – there's no question Louisville's number eight right now. So my new goal is win those first three games, Bellarmine, Wright State, App State, be 3-0, and look somewhat competitive in Maui, and then you know, we'll see how we look going into that, that tough stretch of Maryland and then the two ACC games to, at the end of November and the start of December. And then we also play – I mean, the schedule is tough. The, the schedule is very tough for November and the beginning of December. Then you, have, you turn around, you have Western, who beat us pretty bad last year. And then you've also got NC State and Kentucky at the end of the month. So they're going to take lumps. There's no question about it. But if they can start off with those three wins and then maybe gain some confidence even in losses in Maui, that'll be a nice start. But I I didn't see much in the exhibition games that leads me to believe that that's going to happen. But hopefully they're they're just exhibition games. Yeah. Um, I I mean, believe me, I'm I'm trying to look for positives like, Jalen looks like he's got his confidence back this year, which is, which is nice. Um, you know, JJ, JJ, uh, you know, definitely performed well yesterday. Um, 
but I mean, and I guess like you said, LLs, Mike James, um, Kamari looks like he's got a chance to be, you know, play a, a decent role on this team. But um, yeah, I don't know, man. Like I know you said start out the goals to go three and zero, like. After what I saw, I just – to me, that's just not realistic no matter, like, who they're playing. Like, unless Kenny is really playing the long game here and, like, it's just like, go out and play and we're really not going to do anything. Like, I don't know what, what the plan is. Like, maybe he wants to kind of install defense later on. I have no idea. But, um, you know, like I said, I think the the thing about our fan base from a basketball standpoint is, like, you know, we're not dumb. We can like see with our own eyes, like whether effort is being given or not. Um, and it, it definitely needs to pick up tenfold. I know there's fans out there. They're like, well, it's just exhibition. Like give Kenny time. Like, you know, you don't even have, I mean, I get that, but like effort is, should always be there no matter what. So um, sure. that's all I'm looking for. I think the good thing about the, I mean, there are a lot of good things about the IRP ruling, but one that we haven't talked about yet on the podcast is, like we get to treat Kenny Payne fairly now, yep. moving forward. Like, like, like he's no more excuses. There's no, well, we didn't hit it in the transfer portal because of the IRP stuff. We couldn't tell kids we were going to be eligible for the tournament because we didn't know. Like now, it's it's game on for Kenny Payne, and I, I think you're allowed now to make expectations for the future. Like my, if we're talking like the four years ahead, my expectations for this year are be like you just said play hard be competitive have kenny give us some tangible evidence that like he's the guy that he knows what he's doing that he can coach that he's the you know a good x's and o's sideline guy like this team should be competitive i I think the record needs to be at at the very least kind of like last year's like like at least get to 13 14 15 wins um if that doesn't happen then i think you you get a little bit worried year two i want to make the tournament I, i i don't think that now knowing that we can recruit the way we need to recruit, that we can go after guys in the transfer portal the way that we need to go after them, we should be a tournament team in year two. Year three, make the tournament easily. Like, get back to competing in the top tier of the ACC. You know, maybe not be Final Four national title good, but we should be safely in the tournament, be a top 25 caliber team. And then year four, you should be, all you know, full steam ahead. You, you should be operating at your highest capacity. If Kenny Payne's the guy, we should know it by then. And I think that's the good thing about the having this all behind us is we're going to know one way or the other by year three if Kenny Payne is he's the dude who can get us back to prominence who can get Louisville basketball back to where it's supposed to be we're going to know if he's not we're probably going to know that too yeah so that's kind of my four-year plan I don't I don't think that that's unrealistic I don't think that that's too hard that's I mean you're the head coach at Louisville we by by year three year four we should be back to being Louisville one last thing and then we we can move it on to football but God, does it worry you at all? Like when I like think back, like I mean, for the last I don't know, fourteen years for Kenny, like I mean, he has been coaching like a lot of high level talent. So I'm not saying like guys didn't get effort or anything like that, but I guess it wasn't like you know there probably wasn't huge repercussions like if Anthony Davis you know, jogged after a loose ball or, or something like that. Or even in the NBA, like if the Knicks, like someone, you know, didn't go after a loose ball. It's kind of like baseball. Like when you have a real young team with like, like, you know, 
no stars on it. Like it seems like the manager that gets hired isn't really a player's manager. He's like some hard nosed coach that's going to get in people's asses and and you know bench guys for not running out ground balls. Um, and then maybe when the team is more talented, they kind of bring in more of a player's coach. I mean, I think Kenny is kind of a player's coach, and especially for this team, to me that scares me a little bit because, like, I mean, we need someone to get in these guys' ass a little bit, and I don't know if that's happening right now or what. Um, For him, it's all going to be about recruiting. I mean, we got to bring guys in. I think that'll – you can just tell from the offensive system that we run, like, it would be completely different if we had talent trying to finish some of these dribble drives. Um, but it does scare me a little bit that maybe he's not that like absolute, you know, disciplinarian that's going to pull guys for, you know, loafing it. Yeah. I mean, I, I was kind of, I know people talked a lot about his body language on the sidelines and like, I'm, I'm okay with the laid back demeanor. I'm okay with the kind of smiling and shaking Everett Sullivan's hand after a loss when it's exhibition time. Let's. Let, let's not do that when the games are for real. Like, yeah. if, if we're dapping up Scotty D after a like ten point loss to Bellarmine next Wednesday, I'm not going to be happy about it. Like, I, I'm not, I'm not going to be laughing uh, with Kenny Payne. But hopefully, I mean, again, it's still too early. I'm trying to 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 do what I said I was going to do going into the season, which is withhold judgment for a long time, be patient, pump the brakes. Um, certainly, what we saw the first two games was not good enough, not nearly good enough. But hopefully when it starts mattering for real coming up in five days, it's going to look a little bit different. Yeah. And you know, that's until, until we're that's proven. Otherwise that's where we have to sit back and hope. All right. We've, we don't have a whole lot of room to talk about football. I don't want this to go too long. We did thankfully have the emergency pod after the wake forest win on Saturday night cards. Now, <sighs> Scott, <laughs> we're going to need you. We're going to need you not to do what you've been doing. The roller coaster has been the roller coaster. We need the roller coaster to end. We need a nice little straight period here. Let's enjoy the loops. Let's just let's keep it simple. Let's beat James Madison. And I know uh, our guy Keith Wynn has been talking about this game for like two years, how much he hates it. I hate it too. I don't know why the fuck we scheduled it. If you're going to schedule a bye game, schedule a bye game. Like schedule EKU, schedule Murray State, schedule Indiana State. Let's keep this thing simple. And this would be the perfect time to have one of those games where you can you can keep the, the momentum going, your first three-game winning streak under Satterfield against FBS teams. You can maybe rest some guys in the second half, get ready for this crucial three-game stretch to end the year. And instead, we scheduled one of the best FCS teams in the country at the time, which has become one of the best group of five teams in the FBS in their first year since making the jump. And Louisville's just a touchdown favorite in this game. There's plenty of reason to believe that it's going to go down to the, the third, fourth quarter. I hate the fact that we're here. I hate the fact that we scheduled this game. I'm not happy. We gave Vince props earlier in the show. I hate Vince for <laughs> scheduling this game. I thought it was silly. I'm mad at Vince for that. But if you are, if we truly have turned a corner and we're one of the better teams in the ACC, like we've been playing the last three weeks, if we're going to have a shot against NC State, Clemson, or UK, You've got to handle business today against James, or tomorrow against James Madison. I know they've, they've lost two in a row, but they didn't have their quarterback for those games. It sounds like he's probably going to be back tomorrow night. Man, I don't care how it happens. Just get a win in this game. Just just make it happen. To me, and I know like I've been reading Keith's stuff too, and I know he, he's been dreading this game, but I will say, to me, it's almost a blessing that this team, James Madison, cracked the top 25 
Because now, I mean, not that Louisville, I'm not saying they were going to overlook him by any means, but now it's like, hey, I mean, we're, we're not fucking around here. This team's been in the top 25. Yeah. Like, we are going to have our game face on. So I think if we do lose, it's not going to be because we didn't get up for the game. Um, so from that aspect, like, I, I think the cards are going to be bought in. I, I think the fans know the importance, like, hey, you know, yes, the name is James Madison, but, it, you know, we know what this team can do. So um, I'm excited. Like, I really am. Like, God, I, I can't believe from where I was after the Boston College game to now, like, how much I'm looking forward to a Saturday night James Madison game. Like, I am I know. two feet all in. And then, geez, I don't even want to say it, but. I know. We say win it. This say it. Game. I mean, we could have a fucking possible top twenty-five matchup at Clemson the next week. Holy shit! Like that's unbelievable from where we were. But I mean, one game at a time. Don't listen to this, guys. If, if, if the teams listen to this, I know they're not. Um, turn it off. But I am. Uh, I'm pumped. I, I think Scott's got the guys in a good place right now mentally, um, and I, I'm excited to see what happens. Uh, Saturday night. I'm I'm just like you. I can't. I could never have imagined a month ago that I'd be this excited for a, a James Madison Saturday night game. And then also, like, I mean, I I can't help but think about it. If we win Saturday, I'm going to be as excited for that 3:30 kick on ESPN as I have been for a Louisville game in a long, long time. Because it's the winnable. Like bitches, I got it's a it's, winnable. It feels winnable. Game. The thought of those fucking losers having to rush the field after seeing their college football playoff hopes just doused in fire by us would it just it gets me aroused um we'll talk more about it next week obviously but just take care of business this week i mean also like the not so small thing of if we win this game we're bowl eligible yeah. which did not seem like a certainty a couple of weeks ago um like i don't care if you've had a good year or a bad year it's always better to have a bowl game i know the coaches talk about getting the extra practice but just for us like they have uh, one more game to look forward to during the holidays. Like that's always fun, even if it is like the first responders bowl against Air Force, who's going to throw for 500 yards against you. Um, it, it's just it, you always want to have that last game. Let's make sure that we get the win on Saturday, get bowl eligible, and then we'll turn our attention to the end of this uh, this season, these three game stretch, which suddenly looks a little bit less daunting yeah. than it did just a month ago. Um, JMU, they put up a lot of points. They're 14th in the country in scoring. 18th in total offense. They're 25th in the country in passing and 31st in rushing. What they don't do well, though, is protect the quarterback. I think they're like 118th in the country in pass protection. And obviously we've been so good at getting into the backfield and disrupting plays in recent weeks. You assume Scott's D is going to be back to just you know penetrating and getting in people's face <laughs> and and being the menace that it is. Um, <laughs> am I ever going to get sick of the Scott's no, D? Yeah, I don't you're, think you're, I really, you're really riding that joke. Um it's I'm really riding the Scott's D. It, it's been it's been a week and a half and I can't stop riding it. Um, I, I just I can't I'm not tired of it yet and I, I, I can't stop. But as long as they keep playing the way that they have been, I feel good about this game. I, I mean Louisville James Madison has a, a good defensive front. I think Louisville I, I think they're really good against the run, but Ty and Evans had a nice breakout game last week. I think it's it's an, yet another defense that's going to try to force Malik Cunningham to beat them with his arm. Um, we'll see how that goes. But at the end of the day, I know they've played well this year. I know they have their quarterback back. It's still power five talent versus group of five talent. Louisville should be able to win this game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout or anything, 
But if they don't, I, I mean, I, I think the excuse is going to ha- – it'll probably be another game where it's just turnovers, lack of focus, all that self-inflicted stuff, all the stuff that we have not done for the last three weeks. I, I think Louisville should take care of business on Saturday night. Yeah, no, I – jeez. I, I mean, <laughs> I'm almost afraid to even say that because, like, the last three weeks I've doubted them and they've come through. I'm like, I, I – like – I, I don't want to give the team like, you know, any sort of big head by being like, I think they should win this. But I mean, like you said, the nice part about Scott's D is like, I mean, gosh, they just, <laughs> they just keep coming. Um, no, that was it. That, <laughs> no, I, that, but in all seriousness, like it's a lot of different, it's not just, I mean, yes, Yasir had like the great game um, two weeks ago, but I mean, it's everyone is performing well. And like, I feel like everyone's confidence on that side of the ball is sky high right now. It feels like every single thing on the team is clicking except like the drop back pass game from Malik. Like, yes, we we've hit some home runs with trick plays. We've broken some long runs, you know, James Turner's making field goals. Defense is playing great. If we could just get that drop back pass game going, um, God, it, it, it really seems like we, we don't have a ton of weaknesses right now. So um, I am I'm very much looking forward to the game and I like kind of the headspace that we're in. I'm also curious because the it hasn't just been the coaches, it hadn't just been the players. We, we've had U of L administrators making a concerted effort to try to get the attendance up for this game. Yeah, I like um, it. I mean, it, it was like it's been low the last two weeks relative to the opponent and to the, the way the team has been playing. You had, I think, 41,000 is what the announced attendance was for the pit game a couple of weeks ago. And then it was just 39 for Wake Forest, which surprised me, to be honest, last week. I wasn't expecting, like, 50K or anything, but I thought it would be better for, like, a beautiful day, 3.30 kickoff, top 10 opponent in, in what felt like a winnable game. And it was very, very low, all things considered. And now, I mean, you had Josh Minkins coming out after the game and saying just straightforward, like, it sucks to run out there and see so many empty seats and to not hear the roar as loud as it should be. We'd love to have that changed. Josh Hurd tweeting out on Monday saying, you know, the team's doing their part. It's time for the fans to get it going. They're offered up uh, $8 tickets this week because people have been saying the cost is too much. I still, like, I honestly think that even though the opponent is less sexy than the last two, I think you'll see a better attendance for Saturday night. I don't think it's going to be great by any stretch, but I, 44-45, I don't think that that's outside the realm. Of possibility, and then if we do, let's say we beat Clemson in a couple of weeks, and we're firmly in the top twenty-five, playing potentially another top twenty-five team in NC State uh, on Senior Day, like that crowd could be the best of the year. I hope it gets better. I don't think that it's. I think you're fighting a little bit of a losing battle at this point if you're an administrator or a coach trying to get attendance back to where it was pre-pandemic. Because um, I, I just don't honestly, I just don't think it's going to happen ever again. Yeah, I, think I don't people, think that has anything to do with the football team. I, I, I just no, I don't yeah. either. It's, it's everywhere. Yeah, no, I, I totally. I agree. think some people, I think some people both in basketball and football got into a habit of going to games over the years, and then when that habit got broke during COVID, broken during COVID, they were like, oh, like this is just as good. I've got my my whole nights uh, on on Wednesday instead of going to the Yum Center. I I can do other things. I can spend some time with the kids. I can. You know, make a meal. I can I can watch another show. Um, and I think some people are just they're not going to get back into that habit unless we get back to winning at, at the most elite of levels. And I think even hmm. if that happens, I, I don't think it's ever going to be like it was before, um, which sucks. But also, it's it's not just a problem unique to Louisville. It's happening all across the country. But hopefully, we'll be better on Saturday night. Would love to see a, a, a 
big time crowd, a loud crowd. The thing about the crowds is, even though they've been smaller, the people who are showing up are still. It sounds the yeah. same. It's still very loud, very vocal. Those are the diehards. They're going crazy, and those people are the ones that were uh, were storming the field on Saturday, and some of them getting tackled by security guards, but still breaking through and, and making it out there and, and having a good time. So, hopefully, that'll be good. Um, I don't really have any other thoughts on this game. I don't know if you have a football thought or if you want to get to Dan in the dumps. Uh, do you want to make a prediction here? Should we do predictions? Well, I was going to do that at okay. the end. I was going to do that after. Yeah, after I'll, Dan I'll in the get dumps. Dan in the dumps is dumb this week. I really don't have one. It, it's something that but it's usually so intelligent. Yeah, I know. So. Well, like this is it's not even Dan in the dumps. It's like something that we do in our house that I'm curious if other people do because you guys on the text chain were, were dogging me for this. So like. Obviously, we went trick-or-treating this week. We had Halloween, and um, I think you know where I'm going with this. So, like, obviously, I I mean, the kids get a lot of candy, all right? I get it. And this is, by the way, this is more, and I love my wife. Like, obviously, I'm going to preface by saying that. Um, And if you have kids, turn this (laughs) off, by the way. Um, But, like, you know, there's only, we can't have, you know, 800 pieces of candy laying around like that's just bad for us it's bad for the kids so i didn't know this until a couple of years ago like what some people do at least up here in the, the the great city of dublin ohio is there's something called the switch witch where like the kids will take their candy that they like their good pieces that they want um and then like you know all the all the bad stuff whether it's like milk duds or whatever candy you don't like like they take that and they put it in a bag and they, you know, they set it out and write a letter to the switch, Witch, and then the switch, Witch like takes their candy in the middle of the night and leaves them like a, you know, a small toy. So I, I mentioned that I did this to you guys and I knew you would be the one you'd be like, what the fuck have we come to? Like this, I don't is, like this it. is awful. Um, I told my wife that this fucking yeah, country. She's like, they don't like the switch, switch. I was like, no, I'm getting a lot of hate here. So don't know if other people do that out there. Just an idea. If you don't want your kids like eating candy from now until July. Um, but maybe give it a thought. The goddamn switch. switch. <laughs> And didn't you have a Switch Witch disaster? Yeah, didn't, no, didn't, like, 100%. The, the toys not get like, there? Well, you we were supposed to have something come for Amazon. I don't even know. My wife does it all. I, don't, I just show up. Um, and Amazon, like, you know, obviously they were they were late or something, and the kids, like, thought the Switch Witch was coming the next morning. So, like, I mean, this was, like, late at night, like 10 o'clock. So I had to run to, like, I mean, there's no, like, stores open. I had to run to, like, Kroger and I got something for my middle daughter who – is a stickler when it comes to this shit. <laughs> and uh, let's just say the Switch Witch absolutely fucked up because she was furious. She's like, why do I even leave my candy out in the first place? <laughs> I was like, yeah, like, man, we were like, is that not what you, what, what you asked for? She's like, no, look at it. Like, <laughs> I was like, wait, what did you God, get? What did I get? Like, I, it was like this, like, little art set. <laughs> Um, where she could like paint like a, a small like dolphin or something, but like there was supposed to be like other pieces with it. She's like, I asked for the one that had a bathtub and it doesn't have it. I'm like, oh, yeah, like I mean, it was uh, I don't know. I, my little Lila, like she she's great, but she she's the she's the one in the family that's gonna make us earn our money. So um, that was uh, that was quite fun. I would tell John to beat up any kid that brings up the switch switch at, at school. <laughs> Did you bring it up to Mary? Was Mary against it? 
I have not told Mary. Mary I, get, I, I bet Mary would be somewhat on board with it. I'm pretending it that I that I didn't. I, the world was a better place before I knew about the Switch Switch. I don't I don't, I don't like it. I don't, I don't. I don't. It's terrible. Yeah. Well. Anyway, we it does come to Dublin. It's not coming to Louisville ever. Not happening. My kids will eat all that damn candy. All the candy they want. They're not getting toys for their. See, candy I'm the one in. that ends up eating it. So I'm like, get this shit out of the house. So. Um. Because. All right, let's do predictions. If we lose, we're blaming it on the Switch Switch. Uh, cards, James Madison, 7.30 kickoff. ESPNU has the TV coverage. Louisville looking for four straight wins for the first time in the Scott Satterfield era. Does it happen? How does it happen? Dan Snard, the floor is yours. Oh, my God. I hate predicting wins. I've been so wrong so many games this year, but it truly feels like they have things going. So I'm going to say cards win. 38 to 24. Yeah, I mean, they've been, let's be real, they've been kind of lights out. We've, when we both picked I know, I want to pick them to just because of this. I kind of do too, although my, my the producer on my radio show, Trevor Kelsey, has bet against us, I think, the last four weeks, and every time it's gone well for us. So he he's already promised he's going to bet on James Madison. So that makes me feel better uh, for this week because I think they're going to win the game. Um, I, 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 I picked him to beat Virginia. That's the only, I think, win that I've gotten that most people thought we were going to lose. I thought they were going to lose the last two weeks. I do kind of want to keep that trend going, but my honest opinion is I think Louisville takes care of business this game. I don't think it's a work of art. I think it's a little bit clunky. I think it's maybe dicey going into the fourth quarter, but we take care of business. I'm going to say Louisville 30, James Madison 20, so Louisville wins and covers. Here's hoping it happens. Uh, regardless, we'll be back next week. We'll obviously have basketball to talk about with the Cards kicking off their season on Wednesday against. Hold Bowman. on, real quick before, uh, hope, before we before it. we sign out. Do you have any strong Breeders' Cup opinions? Is anyone going to beat Flightline? I bet on the first race already. I am zero for one today. I just checked while we were doing this <laughs> recording. Uh, That's hilarious. Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to beat Flightline. I think this guy's a freak. I. I'm going back and forth on the classic, which, by the way, is going to be happening. I think right when we have our game, which is kind of annoying. But uh, I don't know. I wasn't ready for this question. I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards betting on Flightline, but I'm not 100 percent there just yet. Okay. Yeah. I. Who do you like? I I'm mean. against. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm gonna have. I mean, I'm. A, I know I'm against Nest. Yeah. I, I think. I like life is good. In the, the the classic as well, um, uh, if Rich Strike know. wins the classic, I think I'll just be done with horse racing. Same. I my my big bet for the weekend is I like Moira in the Philly and Mare Turf race. That's my my big bet for the weekend. So circle that. Don't bet it because it's probably not going to work. But that's that's what I'm going with. Um, all right. Uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. Again, reminder: please subscribe, give us a nice rating, leave us a review. I didn't check if we have new reviews. If we do next time. I'll be sure to read them on the episode. But we've got basketball next week. Hopefully we're celebrating bowl eligibility. Let's get this done. Go Cards. Beat James Madison. Come on, Scott. Go Cards.